Welcome to the Blockchain Hustle, where I take a look at some interesting plays of how blockchain technology is opening up new business vistas across multiple industries. Hi everyone, this is your host Meenu Sereen with another episode of the podcast Blockchain Hustle. We've been talking about a project's token economic model. That is how much of the value created by the project actually gets captured by its token. Now, one factor that very strongly impacts the value of a token is its velocity. Now, the token's velocity is nothing but the speed at which the token exchanges hands. And on the flip or the inverse of that, we have something called the token hold time, which is how long do you hold on to a token before actually using it for a transaction? So the token velocity and the token hold times are inverse of each other. Now, in the previous episode, I shared about the velocity problem. And in order to increase our token value, we need to address this velocity problem. That is, we need to reduce the velocity of a token or we need to increase the hold time of a token. So how do we go about achieving this? Well, there are a few ways that a protocol can be designed to reduce the velocity of its token. So, for example, here for addressing velocity problem, we could do that by using something called a work token model, or we could use BME, which is a balance burn and mint equilibrium. You could do a profit share and a buy burn mechanism. You could stake functions, put that into the protocol, a half gamification, or you could also have your token become a store of value. So there are a few methodologies by which you can increase the value of your token by designing it into your protocol. So I'm going to go through each one of them, but in this particular episode, I would start with a work token model. So starting with a work token model, there actually there's a very nice article on the net by Kyle Samani from Multicoin Capital. It's a very informed article, very article, well articulated, and I would highly recommend you to read it. Now the main principle in the work token model is that you use a utility token. So remember that when I'm talking about tokens here, I'm talking about utility tokens. The projects that I talk about are the ones which have a utility token in it. So the main principle here is to use the utility token as a right to perform some kind of a work on behalf of your network. Instead of using that token as a proprietary payment currency. So what happens when we use this token as a proprietary payment currency? Well, when you are using that as a payment currency, in that case, the token value is defined or obtained by something called the equation of exchange. Now, I had also covered the equation of exchange in the previous episode. So if you really want to get into the details, you can refer to that previous episode. But as a quick uh, brush up on that, 
The equation is defined, the equation of exchange is defined by m is equal to pt by v. Excuse me if I get a little bit nerdy here, but we need to have this equation in mind in order to understand the utility token working as a proprietary payment currency. So just bear with me. Now, this equation is m is equal to pt by v. M here is the total number of your tokens in circulation. V is the token velocity, the speed at which it exchanges hands. P is your price level, which is uh, actually the inverse of your token price. T is your transaction volume. It's actually the index of the, um, the real value of the aggregate transaction across a certain period per day or whatever period. And then you have hold time, which is H, which I mentioned previously, which is the time that a user needs to hold on to a token before using it to make a transaction. So your V and H are inverse of each other and P, the price level and the token cost are also the inverse of each other. Now, assuming that the token does change hands, which means that V in this equation is greater than one. So assuming that the token does change hands, then the token value will be a fraction of PT, which is nothing but the transactions purchases. So which in other words means that as a payment currency, the token's terminal value Terminal value, if I can add here, terminal value is uh, an asset's terminal value is the value of the asset beyond the forecasted period. So, and it is, it assumes that a business will grow or will continue to grow at a set growth rate forever after the forecasted period. So, as a payment currency, the token's terminal value will trend towards a value which is a fraction of your transaction volume. So that happens. So this is a scenario when you are using the utility token as a payment currency. Now, what happens if I were to use this token instead of a payment, payment currency? What if I were to use it to perform some kind of a work on behalf of the network? What if you are not using it as a payment currency? So in this case, when we are using it to perform some work, the token will get valued at a multiple of the cash flows, the operating cash flows of the system that the system generates, rather than the fraction of the transaction volume, which is the revenues paid to the service providers. So that's the difference. So when we're using a token as a payment currency, then it'll be a fraction, the token value would be a fraction of the transaction volume. And if we were to use this token as to use it to perform some work on behalf of the network, then it will get valued at multiples of the operating cash flows that the system generates. That's the difference. So because of this, in the work model, as your network grows, it matures, it would increase the terminal value of your token. Now, the basic principle out here is that 
you would assign new jobs to the service providers based on the tokens that they have staked onto your platform. And mind it, this is different from staking in the proof of stake consensus. In the proof of stake consensus mechanism, the stakeholders who have staked their tokens, the stakeholders have a say only in the node consensus during the block creation. Now, this one is not for the block creation only. We are talking about doing some work on behalf of the network. So what happens here is that the service providers on this token platform, on this token network, they would stake the platform's native token to earn a right to perform on behalf of the network. You have to stake tokens to earn this right. And the probability of the work being awarded to you would be proportional to the number of tokens that you have staked. So it will be a percentage of your tokens versus the total number of tokens staked by all the stakeholders together, all the service providers. So you see that as the network gets utilized more and more, the token price would also increase. And as the demand for the service rises, the service provider's revenue would increase. And because you have a limited supply of the tokens, these service providers would need to pay more for the tokens to stake in the tokens into your network and to earn the right to perform on behalf of the network. So this is how keeping the utility token as one to as a right to perform or to right to earn uh, to, uh, as, a, as a right to earn some kind of work on behalf of the network that would help to increase your token price. So there are a couple of examples in this Augur, Keep and a few more. And Augur is a pioneer in this. So let me just take a few lines to explain that. Now, Augur is actually a betting or a prediction platform crypto company. And uh, it has a native uh, token, which is called REP. So what happens is that you different people, different uh, stakeholders or different users rather, they would bet on this platform or predict whichever term that you want to use here. They would bet or predict for a certain real life event that like whether this event is going to occur, when is it going to occur, uh, some details or specifics about that event. And then you need some kind of input from the real life event to validate which prediction is true or which bet is true so that the share, the, the people who have bet on that uh, platform, they would get a part of the uh, money which comes through that once the real life event happens or does not happen. So what Ogre does is that Ogre pays its token holders, the REP holders, it pays them for performing work for that, for their network. And that work is to report the real life outcomes, the real life event outcomes or the oracles. And these would resolve the prediction markets. So a little bit on the oracles. Uh, you see the data from the external sources that's fed into the blockchain. And then that is used for your smart contract execution. So it's basically your data feeds and the APIs. Because a blockchain cannot directly fetch data from the real life events. 
So these real-time data feeds into the blockchains are what we call as oracles. And if you want to know some more details on the oracles, I had covered this quite in depth in one of my real earlier episodes. If I'm not mistaken, it was the episode five, which is the importance of data in smart contracts. So that's the oracles. So basically in Augur, what they do is Augur pays for its REP token holders uh, a right to be an oracle to report these real life event outcomes to resolve the predictions, the predictions which happen on their platform. Now, most of these work token systems, they also put in place some kind of a mechanism to ensure that the work that they have given, that the work is done as per some specified standards. And if it is not adhered to, if those standards are not adhered to, that these service providers or these workers, they would get penalized. So for example, you have a crypto company called Filecoin, which, has, uh, which works on distributed file storage. Here, the service providers, they contractually commit to store some data for a certain period of time. And during the lifetime of that contract, these guys, these service providers must lock up some number of file points that is they're staking it into the protocol. So they must lock up some number of file coins and the file must be available 24 by seven and they would guarantee a minimum bandwidth for, for the same. And if they do not adhere to their standards, the standards which are set up by Filecoin in this case, they can get penalized. And which means that some or all of their tokens can be taken away. So this is your work token model. Now just remember that this work token model will only work when your service is a commodity. Like in the case of Filecoin, the commodity is your distributed file storage. You have another called Lightpeer where the commodity is uh, distributed video encoding. You have Truebit where it is off-chain verifiable computation. This model, the work token model, will not work for services like uh, marketing, for strategy making, etc. But you have other uh, methodologies and mechanisms and one of them is called the BME which is the burn and mint equilibrium so we're going to discuss that in the next episode and in the subsequent episodes we would cover the few mechanisms that I have listed in earlier in this uh, episode so this is one of the methods by which the velocity problem gets addressed and your token value can increase. So I hope this has shed some light into how you can increase the value of your token. And uh, I do hope to see you in my next episode. Till then, stay safe. Cheers. You've been listening to the Blockchain Hustle. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, please do leave a short review like it, share it, download it, subscribe to it. What should I talk about next? Please do let me know your suggestions by writing to me at minu at vlsiconsultancy.com or through any of the other contact channels as shared in the episode notes. Thanks.